When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years, and he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kenny Albert. You're listening to the Broadway Hat Podcast with your host, Kyle Hall, the number one podcast for all things Rangers hockey. Welcome back to the Broadway Hat Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Hall, and I hope everyone had a great Labor Day weekend. And usually Labor Day weekend means it is the end of summer, but guess what? That means here comes the fall and here comes Rangers hockey. We are now just 36 days away from New York Rangers hockey. That's right, 36 days, just over a month away from puck drop with the New York Rangers and Washington Capitals. Ryan Reeves against Tom Wilson, live on TNT for the first time. I am pumped right now talking about it. We are getting so close. We are in September. We have preseason games coming up in less than 20 days now. I'm ready to go. This team is starting to... Uh, all report to the practice facility. We've seen more and more guys pop up in New York. Uh, more and more guys the Rangers Instagram and Twitter. Them being back in New York, showing them on the practice ice. We have the Rangers prospects reporting to the Rangers camp uh, this week to kick off prospect camp. So hockey is here. I am pumped. Let's get over with the summer. I am done with the summer. Uh, some big Ranger news this week. Libor Hayek resigned. I know the Ranger fan favorite. Um, a lot of people are shaking their head about why they re-signed him. But, I mean, he is a young guy still. He resigned for a one-year deal. Uh, it's a two-way deal, uh, so he can go between uh, the Rangers and Hartford without having to pass their waivers, which is key. That's important. Um, he'll make 874 k on an NHL contract or 70000 on an AHL contract. 
I'm going to think Libor is going to get a lot more than 70,000 opposed to the 800K. Um, I don't see him cracking this NHL roster this year. There's just there's too many players ahead of him now in the depth chart. And not for anything, for his development, I think a year in Hartford would probably do him well. I think just stick him down Hartford, let him get his confidence back, and then at the end of the year kind of reevaluate and see what you have in him. Um, you know, I, he's a guy who he's had a lot of ups and downs. He kind of got thrown into it early in his career. You know, last year he had his struggles when he was in the lineup. Kind of got replaced by Zach Jones at the end of the year. Uh, then he came back and played because we had some injuries down the stretch there. But uh, he's a guy who definitely needs more seasoning in the American League. And I, you know, I it's a really when you resign a guy like that, there's there's really no risk to it because you know worst comes to worst. You know, you use him, which hopefully the Rangers don't. But, you know, for 70K to play down Hartford, it's not a big hit uh, the Rangers franchise. Plus, you know, maybe he builds back up some trade value. Um, or he just builds up to a prospect that you want to keep around. But, you know, I, I know a lot of people are all like, oh, why are we keeping Hayek? You know, the kid's what, 23 years old. He's a defenseman. Um, you know, has a little bit of a pedigree as a top prospect or a high, high-end prospect when they got him. So I, I like the move. I want to see him play down in Hartford, get more time, and, and hopefully he has a bounce-back year. You know, that's what Eddie Ranger fan can hope for. Hopefully he has a bounce-back year, and hopefully, who knows? You know, maybe you see him back in New York later on in the year or next year, or maybe the Rangers use him in a trade. But uh, Hayek is now back. Uh, former Rangers head coach David Quinn has been named an assistant coach for the 2022 USA Hockey Olympic team. Uh, so David Quinn will be joining the uh, the staff of former New York Rangers assistant coach Mike Sullivan, who is the head coach. He's now the current uh, Buffalo. I'm sorry, the um, current Pittsburgh Penguins coach. Uh, so Quinn joins the staff there, and I actually I just came out with an article because the uh, IIHF and the NHL announced that NHL players will be going to the Olympics this year. Um, you know, there's a lot of COVID protocols that are giving you in there and. Um, you know, who knows where we're at in February, but as of right now, they're hoping and it looks like NHL players will be returning to the Olympics for the first time since 2014 for the Sochi Olympics, where we had the great TJ Oshie, um, shootout, uh, what an unbelievable moment that was, but the shootout went over Russia in Sochi, which was awesome. So, um, for the first time since 2014, we get the NHL players back on Olympic ice and I just released on belly up sports, my, Early season, way too early projection for the top for the twenty-five players to make Team USA. Um, I have Adam Fox in there penciled in as uh, on the decor for Team USA. Also, former New York Ranger Ryan McDonough, I have as possibly a surprise guy to make that team. Uh, it seems like a lot of the prediction, a lot of the projected rosters I've seen don't have McDonough on there, but. Uh, I think this USA team is going to have a lot of young guys in the back end and having a veteran who has been to the Olympics before, has won back-to-back Stanley Cups, and not for anything. McDonough was probably the top defenseman for Tampa during this last playoff run. He was great in the bubble, too. So yeah, it does not hurt having Ryan McDonough on Team USA again. Uh, but, yeah, go check that out on BellyUpSports.com. Uh, you know, we go in, I go into you know pretty much every player, kind of give a little update on how their season was last year. Uh, where they fit into the team. So um, if you're interested in looking into any more USA Hockey stuff, I'll be covering 
Team USA as they approach the Olympics. They cover Team USA. This last World Championships, if you've been following the show, you know that. So you can go back there and look up some of my articles and some of the interviews I did um, during the World Championships with Team USA players. We had Zach Jones on the show um, through Team USA when he was playing the World Championships. Uh, we also talked to I also talked to Colin Blackwell and uh, former New York Ranger Brian Boyle while he was over there. So uh, really great stuff. Uh, so please go make sure you go check that out. And again, I'll be covering them through the uh, February Olympics. And then the other news, Jack Eichel, the saga that will not end. Once again, we have a new developing story on him. TSN's uh, Sean Simpson came out this week and said he believes that Eichel is scheduled now to get surgery. It will be what he thinks it's going to be the uh, spinal fusion. Um, and he'll be out until at least December with this. Um, so, obviously, because of this last news, um, it's safe to say Eichel will most likely not get moved um, until after the surgery. So, probably in December, we'll now be hearing more Eichel talk, um, obviously, depending on how his recovery and surgery goes. But maybe that's a good thing for the Rangers. Maybe that gives them, you know, two months of the season to kind of reevaluate and see where they're at. And, uh, and maybe see where these pieces that Buffalo wants, see how they're developing, how they're playing. And it's a lot of young pieces they want, obviously. So, you know, if Capo Caco is the guy they really want to see, you know, if he's off to a slow start, you know, maybe that's the easier way to cut ties with him. Or uh, Zach Jones off to a rough start, you know, maybe that's an easier way to get rid of him. But um, I think once they really announce the surgery, I think that'll kind of put to bed a lot of these rumors and a lot of this constant Jack Eichel talk that you hear every single day, uh, at least until December when this when he's fully recovered from his surgery. But obviously now that Eichel's out of the news, Thomas Hurdle, uh, the center for the San Jose Sharks, who's a very good player, uh, is now the new target of uh, of trade talks between or trade rumors, as in the Rangers uh, interested in him. Uh, so you know I don't know how far that is or what the deal with that is. But, you know, he's a name that's obviously been thrown around a ton in trade rumors surrounding the Rangers. Uh, a couple other guys you've seen is Tarasenko's name is still out there. Obviously, he had a little bit of a falling out with the Blues earlier this offseason. It seems like they may have patched things up. Um, he's still in St. Louis. So, you know, I think everyone, when we saw the, the Bushnevich trade, they assumed that it was for Tarasenko. But um, he's still in St. Louis. So we'll see. You know, that's a rumor that's kind of gone on for a while now. It kind of won't die down. So um, we'll see where Tarasenko ends up if he stays in St. Louis. It, but, again, it seems like they've kind of uh, made up a little bit out there. But I don't know. Um, I don't really I don't pay attention to Blues all that much. But from reports I saw that the management was trying to patch things up with him. And then, you know, some other rumors. You know, the Rangers looking at some PTO guys we saw. I saw a couple articles come out about that. Brian Boyle signed a PTO deal with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was a guy who I thought the Rangers might bring in on a PTO um, just because of the kind of you know player that he is, a, a fourth-line player that wins face-offs. So I thought that might be a guy they would maybe bring in to see what he's got left in the tank. Uh, I love covering him at the World Championships, but uh, you know, I, I Kevin Rooney is you know he's kind of slotted into that fourth-line center role. And obviously the Rangers value him a ton because they protected him over uh, Colin Blackwell. So I see a lot of people saying, oh, you know, they need a fourth line. Center. Kevin Rooney is your guy. And it seems like just because of his protection in the expansion draft, 
I think is a very good bet he is in a starting lineup on opening night unless he has a catastrophic training camp because uh, if the team thinks that highly of him to do that, there's no way they're going to come in and replace him right away. Um, that's just my two cents on that. So, you know, looking at the rest of the roster, you know, I I don't see too many other guys. You know, I don't see Greg McKegg jumping him in the lineup. Um, you know, for that last center role, I can see McKegg playing more in Hartford this year and getting some call-ups when guys are injured. But other than that, not much craziness going on. I We keep on seeing what kind of uh, prospects are coming into camp. You know, Brandon Othman is already in New York. He was spotted at a Yankee game with Evan Veering, um, who's another guy to keep an eye on. Um, you know, really, he was a number two overall pick in the OHL a couple years ago. And uh, the Rangers got him, I think, in the fifth round to, during the COVID draft, I think it was. Uh, during the, the 2022 draft, he missed his whole last season because of COVID. The league of the OHL did not play. So he's a guy to keep an eye on at maybe see if there's any updates from camp about him. Uh, or just keep an eye on the OHL season because I think that kid's going to be a steal. Uh, I've read a, a bunch of articles on him about how highly skilled he is. So uh, he's a guy to watch out for. And then I haven't seen who else. I know Niels Lundqvist has already flown over. Um, I haven't seen too many other uh, international guys yet that have come back. I know Artemi Panarin, who's not going to prospect camp, but uh, he has been posting pictures, him and Pavel Buchnevich went to the U.S. Open the other night, so kind of sad to see the two of them uh, hanging out again. But, uh, you know, I think Buch, it just shows you the relationship he had with these guys on the team and how tough it is to see him go. Um, You know, he had a couple other posts with uh, Panarin earlier this offseason at a charity game. So um, it sucks that Buch is leaving this team, but, uh, you know, it's cool to see him still hanging out with the guys in the city. And then uh, Keandre Miller, we saw him back on the ice uh, Jacob Truba back on the ice. So uh, it's awesome seeing these, like I said earlier in the show, awesome seeing on the social media sites for the Rangers, uh, these guys starting to get back out there and just feeling the hockey juices again. You know, it's, it's getting close. We're getting so close. We're 19 days away from preseason Rangers hockey, um, 36 days. Ruben Nador's number 36. By the way, if you have not seen the Netflix special Crime and Penalties, Unbelievable. The Danbury tra- uh, Trasher story, AJ Galante, the Galante family, the crime family up there um, running a hockey team. Our guy Ruben Adore was on that team. Uh, I wish we talked about it when we interviewed him, uh, but we didn't get we didn't get to it. So I'm trying to get him back on the show to talk about it. Uh, but what an insane story. Absolutely insane. Mike Rupp, former Ranger, was on that team. Just crazy, crazy stuff getting paid on the table for hitting guys and fighting guys. Uh, game-winning goals are getting 10K dropped cash in their locker room. I can't even imagine some of the stuff that they couldn't even put in the show. Um, but just a cra- one of the craziest hockey stories I've ever seen. So if you're bored and you need to go, you want to go check out a documentary, go check out on Netflix. It's an untold uh, story, untold uh, penal- crime and penalties the story of the Danbury tra- uh, Trashers. So go check that out and go check out our guy, Ruben Adore. He has a big part in that team. He um, he got interviewed for it. I actually texted him afterwards. He said he got, they did about two years ago. Uh, so it's been a while for the, the story to come out. But, um, you know, a guy on the team, Brad, uh, I think it was Wingfoot is his last name. 
uh, got cheap-shotted and broke his leg, and uh, Ruman went after the guy and went after the team and what jumped the bench. He went nuts. So uh, I got to get him on to talk about that story because it, it, it just adds the insanity to this entire uh, documentary on this team. So make sure you go check that out. And we have an awesome, awesome guest. As we're talking about dropping the gloves, former New York Ranger fan favorite, this guy, the Garden, would be a buzz when he would drop the gloves. Stu Bickle is our guest this week. Stu was just hired by the Springfield Falcons to be their new assistant coach. Uh, he previously was a coach with um, his alma mater the, uh, at Minnesota. And then he took a job in the NAHL with the Minnesota Magicians as a head coach, and now he's moved on to Springfield. Uh, Stu, again, fan favorite of the Rangers. He was only with the team for, I think it was three seasons. Um, but, man, he left the last thing. You know, I remember he, he tells some great stories on the show, which you'll, you'll listen. But, um, you know, from tor- telling Torts he can play wing, you know, to the, uh, the Lion Brawl that obviously came back into light this year after the whole Tom Wilson and the Lion Brawl, the next game against the Capitals. So, you know, they were the original, like, you know, early, you know, obviously used to happen all the time in the 70s and uh, and 80s and 70s. You know, that, that era of hockey happened all the time. But, uh, you know, the Rangers and Devils had a Lion Brawl. It was a 2011. Um, you know, that hadn't been done for a while. That was crazy stuff. So we talk about that whole incident, and it's just really good stuff. Really good interview. Really great guy. Um, but before we send it to an interview with Stu, I want to tell you about our uh, partners over at Magic Hockey. So make sure you go check them out at magichockey.com. Go check out their uh, Instagram page at Magic Hockey. Just unbelievable product, unbelievable stuff. The lightest hockey stick on the market. So if you're looking to get your hockey sticks and looking to get your equipment for the next upcoming hockey season, please go make sure you check them out before you check out anyone else at magichockey.com. You won't be disappointed. All their sticks are unbelievable. Um, you know They're tailored to what you want to be a goal scorer, be a defenseman, anything. Uh, they have three different types. So if whatever you're looking for, they have. So make sure you go check them out. And if you don't believe me, maybe take it from 1994 Stanley Cup champion and the new voice of the NHL and TNT and Turner Sports, whatever they are now, Mr. Eddie Olchek. Hello, everyone. It's Eddie Olchek. Give a shout-out to everybody at Magic Hockey. You guys are on the verge of uh, launching a new stick. Uh, I guess the correct verbiage is one of the lightest twigs on the market. So I wish you all the best of luck. Hopefully there's lots of goals and assists in those. And uh, maybe for some defensemen and forwards that can't score, uh, maybe some uh, poke checks and back checks with that light twig. So Best of luck to everybody at Magic Hockey, and I'm sure I'm going to be following you all at magichockey.com. We are now joined by a very special guest, former New York Ranger and a fan favorite, one of my favorite Rangers to watch, Stu Bickle. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kyle. Appreciate it. So first off, I want to say congratulations. You were just named the assistant coach of the Springfield Thunderbirds, the AHL. So congrats on the new uh, position. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm excited to get going here. It's a, it's a quick turn and getting all, uh, all adjusted and, and ready to get the season started. So it'll be fun to, uh, to hit the ground running when we get out east. So growing up in Minnesota, who was your team growing up? Who was your players? 
Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started Betfred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetfredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Ooh, um, you know what? The Minnesota North Stars, when I was, uh, when I was a little kid, that was a big thing. Um, Mike Medano, probably my favorite player growing up, uh, watching the North Stars. But then obviously when, when they left town and went to Dallas, uh, we didn't have a team for a while. So kind of started um, kind of watching more college hockey, I guess, and becoming a, a bigger college hockey fan, watching a lot of gopher hockey and um, – and then we got the wild. So but by the time we got the wild, I, I, I was already in high school. So, um, yeah, growing up, it was pretty much North Stars and, and Gophers. Now, you're, I think, three years older than me, maybe two years older than me. Um, the Mighty Ducks movies growing up obviously had a huge Minnesota, you know, the first D1 and everything. How big was that for a kid playing hockey over there as a youth player, having the Mighty Duck movies come out? Oh yeah, it was cool. Um, it was fun because like you you skated at all the rinks that they were filming in because a lot of that a lot of that was done in Minnesota. I don't know if all of it was, but a, a big part of that was done in Minnesota for for the first uh, Ducks movie. And then um, I was actually in the the third one for like a brief second with my brothers. Um, we were at the Mall of America and they were they were shooting a scene there and we we got in it. So. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a huge thing here in Minnesota. People, uh, I don't know so much if like the kids now really know what it is, but uh, my generation definitely. So hold on, where does it glance over the fact you were in D three? Yeah, yeah. I so I was. Uh, I thought that's why you were asking initially. So I, I was um, just like on a ride with with my brothers, and they were filming, and so we we waited in line and. You know, they, the, the actors kept going on the ride over and over and over, but then they would fill all the other seats with, with random people. And they ended up using the one where my brothers and I are sitting there looking like we're just scared <laughs> shitless. But uh, <laughs> it worked and we were, we were pumped about it when it came out. That's awesome. That's incredible. You still get some yeah. checks from that or no? <laughs> checks to be an extra. No, I wish. I wish. Get me signed up. Um, all right. So after you play in youth, you played in the NHL, NHL, you played some in the, um, USHL, but 
I saw that you actually had to go for a tryout before your last season with uh, Sioux Falls. So what was that mm-hmm. like just going from Minnesota high school hockey to trying to get into the USHL? Yeah, so I actually, um, after my high school season ended, I, I left and went to Green Bay in the USHL, um, played some games there at the end of their season. Uh, so I got a little bit of experience, get my feet wet there. And then the next year, I actually ended up having to go play in the North American League, which is kind of a step down from there. Um, switched to defense at that point. And then, uh, and then that next summer is the tryout you're talking about. Um, so going into my, my second full season, um, where I went into to Sioux Falls camp and, and tried out and made their team. So that's kind of how it all led up to that. Um, you know, that's, that's a big step. High school hockey in Minnesota is fun. And, and I think there's, you know, it's, it, it's competitive, but, um, you know, you're not playing against top tier talent every night. You know, you've, you're, you're playing against some teams that you're going to, you're going to blow out and whatnot. So adjusting to that part, like, getting used to, to playing against quality talent every night was, was probably the biggest difference for me. Um, just that having to have consistency in your game and everything, I felt like that was a, a big shift from, uh, from high school hockey to, to playing in the USHL. And then going from forward to defense, what was the biggest adjustment for you that wise? Like what, what led to that move? Uh, you know what? It was, it was pretty random. Actually, we, um, it was, we had a break in our schedule. So, when I was in the North American league, our coach gave us like, I think he gave us like a full week off with some optional skates and not everybody went to the skates. So um, we were, we were down D I ended up just playing D in some of those optionals. And then when we came back to regular practice the next week, I just, I asked my coach, I said, Hey, I want to kind of give this a go and see if it works. And he was down with it. And so it, that, I kind of just, we never really talked about it again after that. I just kind of always, threw on a D jersey and then they're forward pretty much most of the rest of my career. I, I play defense. So you get this who falls. You guys end up winning the Clark Cup, uh, the championship that year. You rack up 215 penalty minutes, um, which I think led the league that year too. So what coming into that year, was that a, a physical part of the game? Was that something you always wanted to play or is that something that you just took to another level when you got there, just knowing that that's how you were probably going to stay in the lineup? Yeah. I, I mean, I was willing to do that. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's not something that I'd done a ton of up till, till that season. Um, and then you, you do it and you, and you find some success at it. And, you know, you, you kind of carve out your, uh, your role on a team. And that's kind of, you know, that's, that was part of my role was to play that physical game. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I didn't have a problem doing it. Um, but we, we had a tough team, too. So it was, it was fun in that regard. Like, it wasn't, you didn't feel pressure like you had to fight every night. Um, cause we had some other guys that could carry that weight too, but, um, yeah, definitely had to take a step, uh, with, with that. But I think, uh, overall it was, it was a really, uh, really good experience for me to get back to the USHL and get an opportunity to, to keep climbing. And then after that year, you move on to play college hockey, university of Minnesota, which obviously Minnesota kid, it has to be a dream come true. It had to be something that you wanted, you know, from a very young age. So what was that like playing there? Awesome. I mean, that was, for me, that was kind of everything. Cause like I told you growing up watching uh, Gopher hockey and having that kind of being the, be the highest level in the Minneapolis area for so many years. Um, that was kind of a dream of mine and something that I, I really didn't, I couldn't fathom would have, would have come to fruition. Um, like I, I didn't really, it wasn't really a goal mine or anything. And then 
uh, towards the end of my last year junior, um, we, we started talking and, and it ended up working out. So I was shocked when I got the offer and then, um, you know, but, but going forward, I, you know, I, there was nowhere else. I knew like there was nowhere else I wanted to be in college hockey uh, if I could get that opportunity. So I was definitely uh, pretty pumped about that. How'd you rack up 92 penalty minutes in college hockey? You know what? People ask me that. I don't know. I guess taking a lot of minors, maybe just being a bad <laughs> skater. Hooking <laughs> people down. I don't know. <laughs> I was waiting for like, a, oh, I had a, game, a couple game misconducts in the end just to pad up the stats. No, I did. Like you, they add your pens on, but like, yeah, I, I don't think I had a bunch <laughs> of them. I was just probably just taking a lot of minors. So probably not good penalty minutes at, at the college level. Uh, you played for legendary Don Lucia, where they had the all-time winningest coach in Minnesota history. Uh, what was it like having him as a coach and a mentor? He was great. Um, you know, I, I was only there for a year, but um, in all my dealings with him, he was really good, really good with helping players at that level kind of get acclimated to the college game. And, um, you know, the lifestyle kind of changed too between playing junior or high school and going into college and being more independent. And um, I felt like he was great at that level. And, uh, he definitely had a lot of, you know, positive impact on a lot of different players that ended up going on and, and making a career out of the game. So, um, you know, I owe him a lot and, and I'm very thankful for, for the opportunity he gave me to um, to play there and to play the role that I did. You guys had a pretty good team, too. I think Kyle Poso, Blake Wheeler on that team. So two solid guys yep. to have up front. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Real solid players. They uh, I actually so. Opo ended up leaving mid-year, signed with the Islanders uh, at Christmas. Wheels was there the whole year. I think he signed after the season ended. So, um, but yeah, guys I keep in touch with still, and um, both fun guys, both really good players. Couple of good uh, outlet pass assists there, have him go up the entire ice. Oh yeah, just set it up behind the net and yeah. let him let him pick it up. <laughs> and go. <laughs> yeah, window out. Yeah. So like you said, you only spent one year there uh, and you end up signing with Anaheim. Uh, what led to that decision to leave after just the one year? Um, you know, I, I was already, um, you know, I was 21 as a freshman in college, which is, I guess now it's, it's not super uncommon, but um, you know, at that point I felt like, you know, I was already old enough. I was already going to be, you know, maybe even a year older than most rookies that I was going up against uh, turning pro. So felt like the timing was right more than anything, just with my age. Um, and then the other thing too, is I, I was undrafted. So um, you, you kind of have more opportunity when, when you're not drafted, right. Cause you can, you can uh, talk with any team. So um, I, I think that was part of it too. That kind of uh, opened opened the door for me was the ability to, to talk with a lot of teams and see if there was a fit. And um, you know, when, when Anaheim offered, I, I took some time to think about it, but, you know, I knew I wanted to, to keep progressing and pushing myself to, to play at the highest level possible. Um, so with Anaheim, you spent you parts of three seasons there at Anaheim. So what was it like that organization? Did you go to camp with them at all? Like, how was that experience? I did, yeah. Yeah, went to camp, played exhibitions and stuff. But um, I never really felt like when I was with Anaheim that um, – like I just wasn't super confident with my game. Like I was ever going to go into camp and make the team. Uh, that didn't really happen for me until I got traded and ended up going into New York's camp. Um, I don't know if it was just a maturity or development thing, but 
for whatever reason, I, I never really went into that camp thinking I had a chance and I probably didn't realistically, but, um, but yeah, so spent, spent uh, a few years bouncing around in, in their minor league system. Um, the middle year there, my second year, we, we didn't have an AHL team. So that was a challenge, but, um, but overall, like a really good organization. I ended up going back there with, with their minor league team at the end in San Diego um, and, and really good people involved top to bottom in, in that organization. So, um, you know, I have nothing but good things to say, but I, at the same time, I, I never really had a sniff with, uh, with the actual, uh, the big squad. So after your third season or in your third season with the Anaheim organization, you get traded to the Rangers. And I mean, that had to be great getting traded because you stepped right into Hartford or Connecticut whale, as they called themselves at that time, but you stepped right in and were an every game player uh, that year. So, uh, what was that like for you development, like developmentally and also just for your game and confidence? That was huge going there and, and working with JJ Daniel, who was our D coach at the time. Um, that was huge for me. Just, just kind of building confidence, um, maybe getting a little bit more opportunity than I had before to, to play some bigger minutes and show what I could do. Um, and then at that point too, I, I really kind of took it on me on myself to, to uh, take a step with the physicality and, and kind of, uh, you know, accept that role more. And I think when I started doing that, um, when I got to Hartford, it, it kind of started to pay off a little bit for me. I feel like it gave me a little bit more space on the ice and, um, you know, allowed me to play my game and, and be into the game. And um, that's kind of where I, I really started, uh, I would say, um, kind of embracing that role, that physical presence type role that you that you have on a team that kind of back then you, you had a lot of guys like that in the American League another guy you had in that team was Devin Didimi who just was on our show a couple weeks ago that guy was an animal especially in Hartford back then um oh, yeah. he's, he said that there was some good times any stories you can share from your time down there oh gosh um that I can share <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we, we, we had a good time. Definitely, like, Hartford's actually a, a pretty good city um, for an American League team. I, I, I enjoyed my time there. Uh, we had a great group of guys, a really tough team. So, um, you know, there was never any pressure with that either, which which made it more fun. You know, we had, like you said, Deeds. We had uh, Justin Soriel, uh, Newberry. We had Jared Nightingale. We had a bunch of guys that kind of played that role a little bit or played that style of game. And um, that was our, definitely our team's identity um, was to, to go in and, and try to beat you. And if we couldn't beat you, we were going to try to beat you up. And that's, that's kind of the way that we approached uh, that season. And, um, but yeah, we definitely had our fun off the ice. I'm trying to think of specific stories, whether I can share them or not. I, you know, it's a long time ago. I can't really uh, <laughs> dig up too much. I wish I could give you something on deeds, but can't, uh, can't think of anything. Um, a guy who was down there, we talked about quickly with Devin too, Wade Redden. Um, and he was on the decor with you. So might, you probably even saw more of him too. What was he like? I know like he said is how great he was to players and you've heard stories about how great he was to everyone down in Hartford. But what was it like for you, a young defenseman, to kind of learn from him? I, it was huge. I mean, to, to learn from a guy like that, that you see at the rink every day and just kind of follow his lead. As a, as a young pro, I think that was that was huge in my development and huge for all the defensemen that were there. Um, if you look at some of the steps that the guys took that were there, it's, you know, I, I think that's that's very important to have veterans on your team that 
can kind of show the young guys, you know, the way that the pro game works and, um, you know, how to be a professional, how to take care of your body, all that kind of stuff. He was, he was second to none. So definitely a, a good guy to learn from. Did you ever get one of the iPads? Are you kidding me? The iPads were for like for game winning goals. That's, that's what D just saying. He's like, I was telling him, he's like, how about a fight? Give me an iPad for a couple of fights tonight. <laughs> yeah, we would have had plenty of iPads then, but no. I, I, game winning goal, though. I don't even know. That's I don't speak that language, but um, but no, Reds was super like uh, you know generous like that too, and I'm sure you've heard it from from Deeds too, but. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy you're, you're out as, as a group of guys or a group of young guys out, uh, you know, having dinner after the game or having some beers and, you know, your server just comes up to you and just says, you know, Wade took care of it or whatever. And he's already gone out the door. And it's, that's just the kind of character that, that, that guy has, and, um, you know, just extremely well liked, I think in any room that he's ever been in from what I've heard. All right. The 2011, 12 season, uh, it was a huge year for you. You get your first big shot with the Rangers. You play 51 games that year. Um, your NHL call up. What was that day like? What was that story like? Um, you know, when, when I got called up, it was after a game. We were all out at one of the local establishments. And I want to say it was like probably around midnight. My, my D coach called me and said, hey, Bix, uh, you're, you're going up tomorrow. Uh, just want to let you know, you know, maybe a good idea to, to go shut it down now, and go home, you know, so <laughs> gave me the heads up and, um, and let me know when I was out with the guys. So it was kind of fun. Cause you know, you get to kind of celebrate that opportunity with, with guys that you've been playing with and, and everybody's really excited. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a, a crazy, uh, piece of news to receive, but, um, at that point, I think for any player, that's, that's everything you ever dreamed of. So. Um, it all starts to fit together and you, you know, you see your hard work starting to pay off. And um, that's, that's kind of what it was for me. It was, it was just a really, um, really exciting time and um, to get my parents out there and my family out to, to see my first game and everything. It was, it was a blast. You get thrown right into a New Jersey Devils Rangers game at that time. The rivalry was, was huge. You know, the, the two were the better teams in the East. We'll get into some other devil stuff later on. Uh, but you pick up an assist in the first game too on a Carl Haglin shorthanded goal. Um, so I mean that has to be pretty cool getting a point right in your first game. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was fun. It was a whirlwind. I think that one came off of a uh, a hard rim. So a hard rim, and then Hags took it on a breakaway. So a tip, typical <laughs> assist that I would get, but uh, but I'll take it, man. It was it was a blast. Those that first couple weeks was. Like I said, it was a whirlwind, but it was it was so much fun. Let's talk about your first couple of games in the NHL because when you first came up, I I I was actually at your fourth NHL game because uh, I was home from college at the time, and uh, it was right at the right around Christmas and. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. 
Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started Betfred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetfredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Your second game, you drop the gloves and you get an assist in the game. Your third game, you have two assists in the game. And your fourth game, you drop the gloves again, which I remember at the Garden. That's a hell of a start to a career. Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I was getting lucky. I was hot, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I was real hot. You were real hot. I was, I was tricking some people into thinking like gosh maybe this guy's got some offense and he's just got to be in the nhl to show it you know and so I was like, <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll ride with that you know i'll go with that so um but no i mean i don't i don't think anybody really predicted that i was going to keep that type of offense going because just by the way i played in my history but and of course it did slow down pretty quickly but yeah it was it was crazy it was it was fun uh to play like it, it wasn't that i was playing that role but to feel like i was contributing uh, at that level, it, it made it all all that much more enjoyable for me. I remember on the train going into the city for the game, and I'm like telling my brother who went to the game with me, I was like, he's got the big old kids up. He's averaging a point per game so far. He's fighting people. I'm like, I'm pumped to see him. Then you drop the gloves like the first two minutes of the game. I'm like, I love this guy. <laughs> Put me on your fantasy team. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then 50 games later, I only got two more points or whatever. But <laughs> This McDonough guy is supposed to be great, but the pickle kids getting points left and right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but, uh, but yeah, it was, you know, just, I guess, just shooting the puck and, you know, like some of those assists were just so chintzy, you know. Like I said, guy picking the, Dubinsky picks it up from me behind the net and goes down scores. Haglin, I hard rim it to him, he goes down scores. So it wasn't any, like, finesse. I was, I don't want to make it sound like I was playing some sort of skill game, but, um contributing like i said it's just i think that makes the experience of of getting to the nhl that much more sweet um now talking about just the that team in general there were so many good players on that team i mean marion gabrick had 40 goals again like this was the second time as a ranger the defense the defense core that year was you know mcdonough girardi stall there's just so many stars and so many great players on that team mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and um, you know, kind of building off what you were saying about Redzi, it's, you know, there was a lot of like good older leaders on that team too, that, um, that helped me along, helped, helped out a lot of the guys that hadn't been at that level before. So, um, we had a tight team and a, in a good group. We almost, uh, we almost got there. We, we ended up losing the Eastern conference final, but, um, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I had a blast that year. It was so much fun. And obviously in my relatively short NHL career, it, uh, definitely the most memorable season that, that I ever had. And the winter classic that year, uh, what was that experience? Like, obviously it ends with Hank stopping uh, Briere in the last 20 seconds of the game with a shootout. I mean, you couldn't have scripted a better ending for the NHL and the, and the Rangers in general. I know exactly. Yeah. So it was, it was a blast. I mean, the, the whole winter classic experience and, and everything and Rupper salute uh, that year with, with the whole, uh, when we played Philly in the classic, it was, it was it was so much fun it was it was crazy but but a lot of fun and we had a good group of guys uh like i said that that were really tight and so um it just made the whole experience the whole year uh you know very enjoyable i think for for all the young guys 
especially. What was it like on the bench for that shootout? Uh, you know, the, I mean, the, uh, the penalty shot, you know, you see the whole team jump in unison and Torts is jumping over. I think it's a Nissan off and like punched him in the head as he, as it goes, you know, as he stops it had to be a crazy celebration afterwards. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There, there were a lot of those, but uh, <laughs> definitely, um, you know, a, a, a star goaltender and star of that city. Uh, let's talk about Hank. So he just retired this last week. Um, playing in front of him the limited time he did as a defenseman. What was it like playing in front of him? What was it like having him as a teammate? It was great. You know, I, we, we, it's, it's not like I socialized a whole lot with him. I mean, he was, uh, he's pretty serious at the rink, um, works super hard, super competitive, like doesn't want to, didn't ever want to get scored on in practice even. Um, just super, super competitive, the ultimate competitor. And I think, you know, whether you're a goalie or, or a skater, um, or really for, for that matter, just in athletics in general, I think that's kind of, um, you know, what, what drives those players to, to be great. And, um, you know, his competitive nature was just off the charts and, um, obviously, you know, an extremely good goaltender, somebody maybe, um, you know, best or one of the best Ranger goaltenders of all time. So, um, you know, I, I think that it's just being able to play with a guy like that and see how he goes about his business and how serious he takes it. Um, that was, that was really enjoyable for me, but, um, but no, he was a good teammate and, uh, you know, definitely somebody that you want to play hard in front of. So this year, the Rangers had a lion brawl incident with after Tom Wilson and all that. So you kind of came back into the light. So yeah. Yeah. That was a little bit of an incident. Uh, so you guys came back into the light a little bit from your line and brawl, the devils. Um, and I actually saw during COVID you, I think it was you, Rob and Proston, the devils guys all got together for a, uh, a video for that too, which was awesome to watch that. Um, let's just go back and talk about that whole incident and how, what led to that. So Dubinsky gets banged up before the last meeting uh, towards and, and uh, what's the guy, what's the uh, devil's coach? Um, Pete DeBoer. Pete DeBoer. Yeah. They're going at warmups. You go back in the lineup and all of a sudden you see yourself playing center. What is going through your head? <sighs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 I, I don't know. I hadn't taken a draw at any level of pro hockey to that point. So, um, you know, I, I, I knew what, what he meant and we, we had talked about that on, the, on that uh, on that podcast too. We talked about kind of the way the whole thing ended up happening and just how quickly everything went. And, um, you know, you knew what that, that, that rivalry meant. And um, I had been in a couple of those games that year leading up to that. So I, I had a pretty good understanding of that. And so when, uh, when they set their lineup, I think, you know, it was, it was pretty clear what was, what was coming. And um, then when Torch read off the lineup, it was, you know, I was like, wow, okay. All right. Let's, let's do this. Should I try to win the draw first or should we just go right off the hop? But it was, uh, yeah, it was fun, fun time. I saw, I was watching the podcast and you, you were asking Rupp, you know, about how to win the face off. And he's like, you're not there to win the face off. Yeah, but I want, I want it, you know, like give me, give me a W. Well, you did. You want it. Yeah. hundred percent career face off, hundred yeah. percent career face off. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, Put that in the resume. Otherwise, but, but I think I want it. Yeah. Um, they credited me for it. So they we'll credit. Yeah. It. It's in the record book. You're good to go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I guess when you guys are in the penalty box, are you sitting there? Is there any like laughter between you guys? Is there anything like, wow, that just happened? 
I think after a while there was, but like right away, I think everybody was just so tired and like, it's not that the fights were that long. Krusty and, and Jansen went for a while, but the fights weren't even that long. I think it's just kind of like, you're so amped up from, from the energy and the building and everything. It's just, you're just gassed by the end of it. So, um, you know, we all kind of just got in there. I think we just kind of took it in for a little bit before we even said anything to each other. But, um, you know, the next day I, I remember, um, or next practice, whether it was the next day or not, I don't know, but, um, towards bringing the guys in before practice and kind of giving us all a, a stick tap on, on what we had done the night before and everything. And, um, you know, that's just the kind of coach he is. And, um, you know, he always appreciated that element, I'm sure, as, as you know. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a crazy experience, but, um, but really fun. Like, it's, you know, that's kind of coming together as a team and, and doing it right before playoffs. I think it's, that's, that's, a, that's a big thing when you, when you come together like that. When you go back and watch that video, the, the garden noise is insane that night. Absolutely. I it's, can't even yeah. imagine what I can't imagine the adrenaline running through your body just hearing that. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was crazy. I remember right off the hop, you know, it erupted and then it kind of stayed that way. Everybody was still just yelling and yelling. I want to say for a solid minute there, a couple minutes. So yeah, that was, that was definitely crazy. All right. So John Tortorella, let's talk about torts. Um, you hear some crazy stories about him and his coaching, but it, Every player seems that have played for him has such great things to say about him. Um, obviously, he was a huge fan of yours, gave you a huge opportunity with the Rangers. Um, so what was it like playing for him, and do you have any good tour stories? You probably know most of the ones that I have. Um, but, you know, he's uh, – like I said, I mean, I, I wasn't – I didn't play for him for a super long time, but what I got from him is that he was just a, a really honest coach and – um, you know, I think sometimes players take that different ways, you know, and, um, but I always appreciated that. I just, I just always wanted coaches that were up front with me on, on where I was at, um, why I was there. And, you know, I could live with that. I, I, and I thought that he did a really good job of that. Um, you know, he, uh, he's really hard on his players. He definitely, um, pushes guys, especially with like the conditioning element, uh, at the beginning of the season or training camp. He's, he's very hard, but, um, but I think that after you go through that process with him, uh, you realize how much better of a player you were because you went through all that. And, um, and that's, you know, I'm definitely no exception to that. Did you see a noticeable difference between where he coached you opposed to how he coached Gabrick, like the skill guys that he would get oh, on? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, but that's, that's how it has to be. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, like my leash, obviously is going to be, a little bit tighter than, than a skilled player who can make plays. Right. Cause um, you know, if I'm going out there trying to make sauce plays to the neutral zone, they're getting picked off. Um, you know, being a, being kind of a simple window and out defenseman, you're going to hear it from them. So, um, you know, you definitely have to, as, as he would say, stay within yourself with your game. Um, but no, I mean, like he was, he was hard on me. And I remember being yelled at a, a handful of times and, and benched a handful of times and all that, but um, it never, it never got personal at all. It was always strictly performance based. And like I said, I feel like he was at least very honest with his approach. So um, for me, that's, that's all I could ask. He leaned on your junior experience playing wings sometimes to put you in there against some tougher teams. When the first time that happened, were you kind of like, okay, I know why I'm here. 
Um, you know what? He actually, so I think when I, the first time I played forward for him, we, I think we had a couple injuries and they were debating calling someone up or just having me play forward. And so I told him that I had played some forward and pro, which I, I hadn't, um, just, just to try to like, you know, stay in the mix, um, made it, just made it seem to him like, oh yeah, you know, I kind of been Rover, like I've been back and forth, Redbird style, you know, and, but, but no, like I, I hadn't done any forward at all. And since I was in junior hockey, so, um, yeah, I like, and then obviously in practice, he, he could see how raw I was at the position and. You know, I, I started, I, I really understood what my role was there, whether I was playing forward or defense, it was, it was to go out there and, and to, you know, be a physical presence and, and stand up for my teammates. So it didn't really matter too much whether I was playing the wing or playing on the back end. Was there ever a game, like you're saying, you know, stand for your teammates, was there ever a game that you kind of knew going into it that there was some kind of revenge or something that you were going to take out on a guy that you knew you were going after him right off the bat? Like, other than the, obviously, the lion brawl was kind of a thing that, turned out that way was there any other games that you kind of like knew going into it like i'm going after him first thing i see him yeah um like if if we were playing a guy that i knew like was going to be running around i i would try to kind of do that maybe earlier in the game um instead of waiting for that to progress to that point like a guy like tom sestito or somebody around that time who who ran around a lot, big body, really could hurt guys if, if he caught them in the wrong position. So I usually went into those games kind of knowing that um, that, that was going to happen, and I'd try to kind of, um, you know, get the jump on it quicker. Um, I do remember one time when I, I fought Michael Haley, I felt like he kind of jumped me, and he ended up actually breaking my orbital bone um, in that fight. And so the next time that we, we faced the Islanders. I knew I was going to go after him right away. Um, the first time I got out against him and I did, and, you know, so you, you have stuff like that, that happens, but there was never really any like huge personal vendetta that I had with, with any players um, throughout the course of my career. So next year was the lockout shortened season. You, you split between the Rangers and Hartford and then the coaching change happens. The Rangers get rid of Tortorella. They bring in Vigneault. Um, did you see a shift in kind of what your role was in the organization, obviously when Torts left? Um, yeah, I knew that it was going to be a challenge for me, um, to kind of start from square one is really still a, a not established player, um, to start with a new coach and, and earn all that opportunity with a new guy. I, I knew that that was going to be, um, a challenge for me. Um, also with some of the other guys that they were bringing in, I knew that, you know, in camp, it was going to be a battle to, to even make the, the roster. So, um, you know, I, I can't complain. I ended up getting sent down and, um, you know, that's the way that it goes. That's, that's pro hockey, but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a combination of things, I think, but, um, you know, I, I, I knew, uh, that, that when that happened and I went in with AV and I, I just didn't feel during camp like I was carving out a role for myself and um, you know I was hopeful up to the last second that I was going to at least make the team still but uh, it just it just didn't end up happening so um, ended up going down down to Hartford to play. Going back to the, the sorry the Devils playoff series and that series that run to the conference finals that year you played 18 playoff games what was it like stepping into that first postseason that first playoff game was the speed of the game different than a regular season game to you? 
For sure. I mean, it, it definitely builds. I, I think, you know, as you reach like the end of the regular season too, you see, um, you know, the, the, the pace go up because you're really kind of playing in, in those playoff type games at the end of the year too, when you have a lot of teams that are kind of on the bubble of whether they're going to get in or not, it's, it's do or die for those teams. So you start to see it a little bit in the regular season, but I, I do remember it. Um, you know, the, the physical, the physical play, the, the forward checking, everything just a little bit quicker, a little bit less time with the puck. Um, so, you, you know, as a, as a player like myself, you've got to simplify your game even more at, at that point in the season. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely ramped up quite a bit for, uh, for playoff hockey. I don't think, I don't think you dropped the gloves that postseason. Was that as a shift in kind of the mentality of where you want to play? Um, you know, did I not? No, yeah, no, I, I, I guess I, I just didn't, I, I don't know how many fights we really had, um, in, in playoffs, to be honest. Like, I think that usually dips a little bit at that point in the season. Um, the other physical parts of the game definitely Increase, uh, yeah. are raised, but yeah, yeah with, with the fighting, I, I yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it just didn't, there wasn't a good time or if it was because I was, I could have been partly too, because my minutes were, were definitely decreased at that point. Like I wasn't playing, um, I wasn't playing any big minutes or anything. So it's, it's hard to find those opportunities too. It's not like, you know, other guys on other teams don't really want to waste five minutes with a guy who's otherwise just going to be sitting on the bench. So um, I'm sure that played into it too, but, um, but yeah, like I said, I, I think the fighting uh, it's not so much of a thing in the postseason, but, the, the other parts of the physical player are definitely there and ramped up. I just remember that devil series, um, obviously just being heartbroken by the whole thing, but um, I remember like going into it. I'm thinking like, okay, after like the whole season of every game, there's like two or three fights. You're like, this is going to be a war of a series. And I think the only actual fight was McDonough. So I was yeah. like, you know, you're <laughs> kind of crazy. Yeah, no, absolutely. But like I said, I mean, everybody at that point in the season, you kind of leave the sideshow out of it and it's all about winning. And, um, you know, I, I remember like having, you know, numerous scrums in that series, but no, I don't think a whole lot uh, actually broke out in, into fights. I, I do remember the one I think with, with McDonough that you're talking about, but other than that, yeah, it was, it was a pretty, uh, pretty calm series with the fighting aspect of it. Now as a guy who does drop the gloves, you see a guy like McDonough who doesn't usually drop it or anyone else on the team over a skill guy, drop it to protect someone. Are you just like more proud when you see that than a, you know, a normal guy drop the gloves? Cause they don't really do it. They kind of like, oh, plus yeah. it kind of like the respect level there. I love that shit. Yeah. Like, cause I mean, it's, it's obviously like everybody's uh, doing it for the right reasons and whatnot. Um, you know, doing to be a good teammate, watching after their teammates, but you know, it's, it's not half as exciting watching a guy who fights all the time doing it compared to a, a guy who's like, hey, I'm going to step up and, and do this right now. And I think, uh, you know, that energizes the team probably even more um, than, than two heavies going out there and scrapping. Um, now, you talked about before, we talked about Wade Red and we talked about some of the Ranger veterans. So was there a guy in that Rangers team that kind of took you under his wing when you got there? Um. You know, I, I don't know if I would use the term like took me under his wing. I mean, I was, I think I was, I was like 25 or 26. So I was kind of an older first year player, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, but we had a lot of good older leaders on the team. Uh, you know, Dan Girardi, we had Stahl there. Um, so those were two, definitely two defensemen that, uh, that I could, you know, look up to kind of watch the way they're doing things and, and try to kind of follow suit. 
Now, after the last year with the Rangers, you signed with the Minnesota Wild, your hometown team. Uh, what was it like going back there? And you, you get nine games with them. So what was it like playing in front of the hometown crowd? It was really fun. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it was it was crazy because, uh, you know, at the signing with Minnesota and then and then getting an opportunity to play here is not something I had ever even thought about. Um, and I was really excited going into it, uh, you know, obviously because I'm at home, I'm around my family, all my friends, everything like that. Um, but you realize too, I think, as you go through that experience of playing in your hometown that, um, you know, you're so busy during the season. It's, you don't really enjoy the, the fact that your family and your friends are all there as much as you, you maybe thought going into it. Um, cause you're just, you're on the road. I was actually living in a hotel in St. Paul, even though I, I had a spot out West to be living. Um, so you, you stay kind of as, as a team, uh, regardless, but, um, playing at the X, you know, in front of the wild fans and everything. It was, it was really special for me as, as short lived as it was, it was, it was really a good time. And, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time going up and down that year. I think I was up and down like eight times, but, uh, didn't get a whole lot of games, spent a lot of, a lot of time, uh, in the press box, testing out every arena's hot dogs and whatnot. So, um, <laughs> did a lot of that that year, but, uh, but no, a good group of guys with that team too. Um, how much money, how many tickets are spent in that first game back in Minnesota? Oh man, people don't realize that you don't, you don't get as many tickets as you want for free. So yeah, you get, you get a lot of texts from, from people you haven't talked to in, in a while, but, uh, you know, that's, that's all part of it and, and to be expected too. I remember, I'm trying to think who it was. They're like, yeah, I spent more on tickets the first game than my first month paycheck. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you got like you know, your whole family and then you think about your extended family and then you've got buddies and um, like I said, maybe even buddies that, you know, you haven't talked to in a while that, that reach out and want tickets. So I, I can see that definitely. Um, all right. So from there, you moved on to this, you went back to the Ducks, you finished up in San Diego last couple of seasons. Could you pick the better spot to play hockey in San Diego? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It was, uh, it was, that was an easy decision for me when, when I kind of realized that, um, you know, I was likely going to play out the rest of my career in, in the American League. Um, you know, making a decision to, to sign with them was a no-brainer. Uh, not just because the city's great and you're in warm weather and all that, but also just my familiarity already with the organization, their management and everything like that. Um, it just made it a pretty easy decision for me. And you went into coaching. What made you want to go into coaching at first? Um, you know, obviously you've, you've done two years at University of Minnesota. Then you went on and you were a head coach in the NHL. And now you moved up to the AHL. So what made your move? What, what When in your career did you really think about moving to coaching? I kind of had it in the back of my mind, like towards the end, I would say maybe my last five years playing. Um, but I didn't really have a plan on how I was going to go about it. Um, obviously you're not committed to doing it at that point. So, um, for me, it was really like kind of when I finished up and realized I wasn't going to be able to play again. Um, I knew I wanted to go back and finish my degree at the U of M anyways. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I knew I wanted to enroll full-time in school and then the opportunity to join the coaching staff there. Um, it was, it was a pretty, uh, pretty good situation for for somebody just trying to get into coaching I think because you're not 
necessarily just fully invested in that. Um, you got the academic side of it. You're getting your degree and, and making progress there too. Um, and then I just, you know, ended up falling in love with it. I, I went through my first couple weeks as a GA there and, um, you know, I just found myself wanting to be at the rink around the guys all the time and kind of, uh, working, you know, that role on kind of more of a full-time basis. And, um, just like I said, ended up enjoying it so much that I decided that that's what I, I wanted to pursue. And now you're in the AHL. Um, what's the biggest difference you think from coaching standpoint, helping these players out going from more of a junior college developmental now to a pro developmental league? Well, the, you know, the American league is, it's really the, the top developmental league in the world. Um, so for me, that's, you know, it's, it's a no brainer for me to, to, to take this opportunity to, to get into the American league. Um, you know, my, as a coach, I think my biggest strength is, is communicating with players and working with them uh, individually. Um, so, you know, I think having the opportunity to work at development levels, uh, whether that be college or this past year in junior uh, and now in the American league, um, you know, you, you want to help players move on to the next level. And that's something that, you know, I'm really passionate about doing and uh, spending extra time with guys doing video or one-on-one -on -one things before or after practice, stuff like that. That's, that's really what I'm dialed into. And I feel like there's, there's no better opportunity than, than to do it with, um, with players at the top developmental league. Uh, like I said, so I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a, a really fun experience for me to be able to work with that kind of talent. And hopefully I have uh, at least some stuff that I can, can offer them to pass along, uh, whether that be, you know, on ice stuff or, or just stuff about being a pro and, and playing pro hockey. So I'm excited to get started with this uh, next, next wave of, of prospects and uh, see what we have and see if we can help move some guys on the blues. Now are you focusing on the defensive side or is it kind of an everything? Yep. No, I, it'll be, uh, I'll be working with the defense. So, It'll be uh, it'll be fun. We've got some good young defensemen coming in that uh, it'll be fun to, to kind of uh, be alongside them in their development. Maybe jump into the face off dot. Show them how to win a face off too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll work on draws after practice. <laughs> um, <laughs> last couple of questions here before I let you go. What is your favorite moment as a Ranger? Um. You know, well, it would, it would have to be my first game, selfishly. Um, favorite, favorite team moment, um, I would have to say, is, is, was the Winter Classic, just because it was, it was such a big thing. And, um, you know, we had the lead up up to it when HBO was doing their thing, uh, when they used to do that road to the Winter Classic. Yeah, that was great. They so, should do that again. Yeah, so it was, it was cool because it was kind of a piece of – it was part of the season leading up to the game. Um, so that, that was fun too, to kind of have that, uh, that kind of build up to the game and then, you know, playing in it was, was obviously a blast too. Is there anything better than fighting center ice at MSG? I don't think so, man. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest rush I ever got in, in my career, for sure. I mean, you, you've got, you know, it's just, MSG is what it is and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously, uh, you know, an extremely famous venue to, to be in, whether it's in, you know, basketball, hockey concerts, so, so many different things that you, you hear about MSG and then, you know, the atmosphere for Rangers games is just off the charts. So um, having the chance to, 
to drop the gloves and get the fans going at, at that arena was, you know, top of the charts for me for sure. Now your overall, now your playing career is done. I'm sure when you win your Stanley Cup as a head coach in the NHL, that'll be your new favorite memory. But is there a favorite hockey memory as a whole for you, or is it the first game as a Ranger? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to have to still go with the first game yeah. as a Ranger. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you work your whole life to, to get to that point. You know, for me, it was it was kind of a journey to get there, you know, playing on, a, on several different teams in the minors, playing in the coast, playing in the A. Um, so kind of everything that it takes and it kind of, kind kind of comes to a climax when you, when you, uh, when you make it there. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate all, all the opportunities that I've gotten. I know you got to get lucky along the way. You've got to have some of the right people like you, but, um, I don't think anything could top, uh, playing in your first NHL game. Is there a good off the ice or a prank story you can share from New York or just in general, just in general. That's your favorite one through your career. Favorite one. I didn't do uh, Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't have got away with pulling pranks when I was in the NHL for sure. <laughs> I would have been on a bus down for sure. But like, but, uh, but no, like in the American league, yeah, I used to, I used to like to toy with guys sometimes at practice. Like we, um, there was one guy used to, he used to put on this stupid hat every time he got off the ice, like, like clockwork, he'd just get to his stall and just whip his helmet off and throw the lid on. And so I don't know if he had done something to me or, or if it was just, if I just instigated this battle that we had going, but I ended up putting like icy hot on his, on his rim of his hat, like where his forehead is. So you know, obviously he comes off dripping sweat and then it, you know, drips through his eyes. And it's going nuts. <laughs> like we would, we would throw guys keys into their pockets or, um, you know, cut the toes off their socks. So they just pull their sock right up to their knee when they put their socks on, you know, all, all that kind of crap. Or like if a guy wore sweatpants to the ring, you know, then you really got to get them. Maybe sew the bottom of the sweatpants together so he can't put them on or something. So you know, we stuff like that. How much were you tipping the equipment guy for the sewing machine? Well, I was operating the sewing machine. Oh, you were doing it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got good at it. I could, yeah. I know my way around the sewing machine <laughs> just, so just from doing all that kind of crap. <laughs> so you're the go-to guy in the locker room then for any prank with sewing. You're the guy in the machine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll get the foot pedal going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, in, a, no, in, a, in a pinch, they can get you put a nameplate on the back for a new player if you had to. Yeah. You know, you have to do stuff like that, though. I think in a long season, especially in the minors, like it's such a grind. You you have to have fun and 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 keep it light at the rink. And I remember, like at, at the end of my career too, when I was in San Diego, battling back and forth with Nick Tarnaski, um, another older guy there, and we were just being idiots. And I remember, like, there's one time he he cut my laces out of my skates, and I didn't. Usually, like you tell a guy, if, it's, if you're coming up to practice time and you mess with their gear, but he didn't tell me. And so, like, I we started practice in like three minutes, and and I I get to my skates, obviously, and I got no laces. So, this that kind of crap that you do back and forth with each other. But I think, like I said, I think overall it just kind of keeps everybody alive and um, keeps everyone energized and having fun at the rink. So that's what it's all about. That's great. Well, Stu, thanks so much for joining us. Best of luck this year with Springfield, and uh, we'll keep thanks, an eye out. We we'll keep an eye out for you. You know, we'll root for you. We don't, you know, we're not playing hard for or anything. Awesome. Well, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be seeing you guys out east. So I'm excited to get going, and I appreciate you having me on.
thank you so much to Stu Pickle for joining us this week. Uh, what a great guy. What awesome stories. It was so much fun talking to him. And I wish him all the best up in Springfield. Uh, hopefully he takes it easy on our guys in Hartford this year. But, you know, he is quickly, quickly growing to be a, a really good coach. And he's moving along the ranks very fast. So before you know it, Stu Bickle will be an angel head coach. And uh, I'll be honored to say I interviewed him before he got there. So I uh, can't say thank you enough to Stu for taking the time. He was moving. He's been moving. He took the time to call to to call me and to do the show. So uh, I really, really appreciate it. And that does it for episode 39 of the Broadway Hat Podcast. Make sure you go check us out on Unhinged Radio every Wednesday night at 6.30. We are live at 6.30 every Wednesday night for an hour and a half. So make sure you go check us out there. And if you're listening to us on a Wednesday on Unhinged, thank you so much. Uh, this last week, I think we were fourth on the Unhinged uh, radio playlist. So thank you to all the listeners on Unhinged Radio and all of our new listeners. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Make sure you go check us out on all social media. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at the Broadway Hat Podcast. Check us out on Twitter at Broadway Hat Pod. Check out my personal Twitter account at KHallNY for all New York Ranger updates, especially as we get closer to the season now with all the prospect camps. Hopefully I'll have some new um, updates for you coming out. Also check it out. Check out more of my articles on bellyupsports.com. We'll be having new articles coming out soon. Uh, as the season comes up, there'll be more to write about. Obviously, as I said earlier, you go check out my new USA Hockey Prediction post. Um, and that'll be updated as we go further on into the season and uh, the season kind of takes shape with some of these players. So make sure you continue to check that out. Make sure you go check out and, and download the podcast and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you go leave us a five-star review on there. Please make sure you go and follow and like the podcast on Spotify, on all Google Play products, on all Amazon Play products, on Spreaker, on Pandora, anywhere you can get your podcasts. We're there. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.
Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started Betfred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetfredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.